0: Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. Uh, Listen to or watch uh, last week's message where we introduced uh, the Trinity, and we kind of started this working definition here of the doctrine of the Trinity refers to the equal and eternal existence of the three persons of God, Father, Son, and spirits and their constant communion together as the one God. And so this definition becomes, uh, I think, especially important when we're talking about the Holy Spirit because, let's be honest, uh, some of us consciously or unconsciously uh, sort of think of the Spirit as maybe less than the Father or the Son. We sort of act like, you know, the Spirit is like the distant third cousin of Jesus uh, out there. And you know, many Christians or Christian traditions sort of consider the Holy Spirit irrelevant or at least live as if the Spirit is irrelevant. A theologian, Herbert Molin calls it atheism of the third person, uh, meaning the acting as if the Holy Spirit is not as much fully God as Father and Son. And there's a number of reasons for this underemphasis on the Spirit somewhat historically. So let me start this message by just uh, addressing those the reasons for overlooking the Spirit as an equal person of the Trinity. And number one is just that the Spirit is traditionally referred to as the third person of the Trinity and usually listed third in order. And so just kind of subconsciously, we start thinking in terms of hierarchy, that it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, But uh, that's not quite the way it works. And the problem of always associating the Spirit with thirdness is we tend to give a subordinate place to the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, which doesn't fit our definition of the equal and eternal existence of all three persons of the Trinity and their equal role in creation, salvation, and the coming renewal and restoration of the earth. Two and somewhat related to the first reason, whereas uh, male pronouns are used for the Father and the Son in the Bible, the word for spirit in the New Testament is actually uh, non-gendered. So in the Greek and the Hebrew, both Old Old Testament and New Testament, it's just in neuter. And so the Spirit is given somewhat uh, elusive or almost mysterious names such as wind or breath of God. And because uh, the world, which is tainted by sin, has been mostly a patriarchal world since the fall, it's not what God intended, but since the fall in Genesis, the Spirit, who is not historically tied to male imagery has often been considered subordinate or even inferior to the first two persons of the Trinity who are usually described in male terminology. Uh, But of course, a more egalitarian world and a more egalitarian theology helps us avoid this problem. And I'll revisit this issue a little more in the final message because it does have some applications. And then third, there's some uh, controversial history in terms of the role of the spirits and you know one of the main points of discussion at those two important church councils remember we mentioned last week we had nicaea in 325 and we have constantinople in 381 one of the important issues was whether or not the spirit proceeds only from the father or from the father and the son uh what's referred to as the Filioque clause or controversy and i know what you're thinking like That doesn't sound like a big deal. Well, it was a really big deal uh, as they tried to figure this out. And unfortunately, you end up getting some disagreements over the years, especially on the role and the place of the Holy Spirit. And it becomes a source of division, actually, in the church. People literally die over this issue. And it eventually leads to what's called the the Great Schism of 1054 between the Eastern and the Western churches, uh, a division that still somewhat exists to this day. And because of that, and I'm just I'm oversimplifying a little in this brief summary, but because of that, in a lot of ways, it's like the church forgot about the Trinity, and specifically the Holy Spirit, and became more Unitarian or Binitarian rather than Trinitarian, leaving the Holy Spirit on the sidelines. But over the last century, somewhat sparked by the Pentecostal revival. And movement of the 20th century, there's been an incredible resurgence and interest in the Holy Spirit and in the doctrine of the Trinity among believers and theologians alike, realizing the equal and essential uh, importance of the Spirit's role in the Trinity for the church and for our lives. And so I just feel so blessed to be alive in this time During the revival of the Spirit around the globe, and in a time in church history that is recognizing the full equality and full personhood of the Spirit and is leading to tremendous church growth around the globe as the Spirit is poured out. And if you take nothing else away from this uh, message or even series, then realizing and recognizing the equal status of the Spirit as a person. Of God, with the same fullness of God and authority of God as the Father and Son and worthy of the same love and worship, and therefore inviting the fullness of the Spirit's work into your lives, realizing you can't fully reflect the Godhead without the Spirit, then that would be an awesome result, if that's your one takeaway. And we love the Spirit of God here at Oceanside. So much so that I lose my voice preaching about it. But we love everything the Spirit represents. And so you'll notice uh, because of that and as a way to kind of counteract the overlooking of the Spirit as, you know, kind of third in importance, we're making the somewhat unusual move of placing the Spirit first in the series where normally people do the Spirit last. So that's a bit of an introduction that I believe is kind of necessary and important to set the context for talking about the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we can't cover all the important aspects of the Spirit and significant roles of each person of the Trinity in each message. Uh, we preach on the role and ministry of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all year long, right? And so as we continue our discipleship together and worship together and study of the Word together, naturally, we will learn about this. So for the for the spirit, I want to focus on just four roles or uh, responsibilities, if you will, of the spirit in the Trinity. And I know those who are uh, going through Alpha. You heard Tom, Sean talk about Alpha and went through the Holy Spirit weekend already, they already learned as the Spirit as counselor, and helper, and gift giver, and guide, and more. And studying the names of the Spirit in the Bible is such a fruitful and enriching study, and I encourage you to do that. But let me just select four roles of the Spirit really quick to hopefully spark your imagination and a thirst for more of the Spirits. So roles of the Spirit, number one, The Spirit's role in prayer. Something you'll hear me say a lot uh, around here, if you uh, are around, is that we pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. We are utterly dependent on the Spirit of God in prayer. It is the Spirit who helps us to pray. Romans 8.26 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Any weak prayers out there? Okay, I'll just add two to the two in the 9 a.m. plus me. No, a couple. We it says we do not know what we ought to pray for. I mean, I, sometimes I'm just so overwhelmed by the need, by the condition of the world. We don't even know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans or, or through uh, groanings too deep for words. So it, just a sigh before the Spirit is so powerful that it can be translated and touch the Father's heart. The Spirit helps us to express what is inexpressible. We are told, Ephesians six eighteen to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Our prayer life doesn't need to be boring. There's lots of variety. The Spirit has a very large repertoire in helping us to pray. Number two, the Spirit's role in salvation. Jesus clearly teaches in John 14 and John 16 that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth who guides us into all truth, John 16, 13, and will teach the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment, John 16, 11, 8 through 11. The Spirit reveals truth. I mean, I can preach truth and the gospel all I want, but without the ministry of the Spirit in someone's heart, nothing happens. There is no transformation apart from the Spirit. No one will know their need for a Savior if they don't know what they need saved from, and only the Spirit can reveal what we need saved from, our sin, and therefore point us to Jesus, the only one who can take away our sin and bring us into right relationship with the Father. And that's why part of the Spirit's job is as the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8, 9. The Spirit's job is to put the spotlight on Jesus as the Spirit of Christ, to glorify Jesus, John sixteen fourteen. It's actually one of the reasons the Spirit gets overlooked is because the Spirit is so good at putting the spotlight on Jesus <laughs> that we sometimes forget about the Spirit's And that's also how we test whether something is a true work of the Spirit. Is it pointing more people to Jesus? Is it glorifying Jesus? And that brings us also to the Spirit's role in community and the gifts of the Spirit working among us. If as a community we are to glorify Jesus and shine the spotlight on Jesus, then we are and should be utterly desperate and dependent for the Spirit of God and the Spirit's gifts. And that's another message for another time, but you can read about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and I would encourage you, pray through the gifts of the Spirit. And especially, 1 Corinthians 14:1 says, eagerly desire the gifts of the spirits, And particularly, try to excel in those that build up The church, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So what I pray when I pray through the gifts of the Spirit is, Lord, what would best build up the church for this time, for this season? Because it may be you have one gift during one season and another gift during one season because it all depends what will best build up the church in that time. And the Spirit is able to kind of maneuver based on what people need in the moment. That's why it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of surprises. So the Spirit is involved in prayer, salvation, and equipping the people of God for the mission of God and being sent forth to do that. But all of this really points to and summed up in the role of the Spirit in that mission of God. The Spirit's role in mission. More than any other person of the Trinity, the Spirit is the one who accomplishes the mission of God and is sent to further the mission of Jesus. I'll come back to this more in the the final message at the end of this series, but we must recognize that life in the Spirit is a life on mission, because the Spirit is by nature on mission. The same Spirit of God who anointed Jesus at His baptism and empowered His ministry now dwells in the church after being poured out at Pentecost in Acts 2, just as Jesus promised. Jesus said, I will not leave you alone. I will send you the spirits. And the works that Jesus did by the spirits, such as liberating the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed, delivering people from sin, sickness, and evil, blessing the hungry, the blind, and the hurting, we are also called to do by the same power of the spirits. And all this is exactly what we see happen at Pentecost and in the subsequent acts of the church after that. As Jesus' earliest followers just do what Jesus did. They perform acts of mercy, justice, equality, and inclusion through the power of the Spirit in a way that turned the world upside down. The Spirit is all about transformation transforming hearts, transforming lives, transforming minds, transforming communities, transforming our world. See, communion with the Holy Spirit is not about escaping this world. Sometimes it gets taught that way, and that's bad teaching or poor theology. It's not about escaping this world. Rather, the experience of the Spirit is what enables us to better understand the world And care for it more deeply. See, the same Spirit, when ministering to us, who causes us to long for that day when there are no more tears, sorrow, or pain, is the same Spirit who then sends us right into those tears, sorrow, and pain around us. That's why it takes courage to ask for more of the Spirit, because it will draw you out of yourself, your own pursuits and move you to sell out completely to the kingdom of God. See, the Spirit will challenge you to love those who are hard to love, and your flesh isn't going to like it. The Spirit will prophetically oppose all forms of racism, classism, sexism, ageism, ableism, any structures that support the, quote, normal and punish the, quote, abnormal, that Feature the haves over the have-nots that profit the rich at the expense of the poor, because that's what Jesus did also, just as he did. And I don't want to limit the Spirit or, or kind of say what the Spirit might do or speak to in your life. As Jesus says in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You're, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. We can't control the Spirit. We must make room for surprises of the Spirit. The Spirit may call and empower you to resist unjust power structures, to provide interest-free loans to the poor, maybe to sell your possessions, to turn your house into a home for those who need a place to live, to support pregnancy care centers, to seek healing and reconciliation, reconciliation with indigenous peoples, to care more for creation in God's beautiful world, to fight sex trafficking, to expose economic or environmental exploitation, to help abuse women, to support new immigrants, to advocate for mental health programs, to participate in foster care and adoption. I don't know what the spirit will say, but I know if we're listening, these types of things will start to happen. It will be a continuation of the ministry of Jesus, bringing love and justice and peace and beauty and flourishing to our communities, and I long for it. I want to live according to the Spirit, Romans 8, 4, and 5, and to embrace the mission of God in our community, as our mission statement says, and we chose that very action-oriented word, embrace very intentionally, to call out for the more of the Spirit, to seek the Spirit, invite the Spirit. And so we're going to do some of that now to give the Spirit opportunity to speak to us, to minister to us. And the band's going to help us to do that through song. But, you know, it might have to start with personal transformation, right? We have to first allow God to help us. It's really hard to love others when we don't truly believe we're loved by God. And we need that affirmation that we are loved by God. You know what's so interesting about Jesus' baptism, which is this beautiful Trinitarian event, is that as the Spirit is poured out on Jesus, it says, like a dove at his baptism, what does Jesus hear? He hears the voice of the Father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You need to hear that voice, that you are his daughter and he is well pleased with you. You are his son, he is well pleased with you. Because it all begins there. And it is the Spirit who helps us cry out in our own spirit, Abba Father, as the scriptures say. And so, first, we need to know that we are loved by God. Romans 5 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. What a great image that is. The Spirit is so often associated with imagery of water. We did a whole message on that once. And this idea of the spirit being poured like water out upon us, it's why we choose receptive postures when we worship like this, because we're just saying, Lord, I'm open. Pour out your spirits upon me. It's why we turn our head to the sky, thirsty for a drink of water or kneel before him, saying, I want more of the spirit. Our physical body shows the desperation in our spirits. So we're going to sing a song that asks for the Holy Spirit to come. It's actually a a new one that we'll incorporate into our songs to worship the Holy Spirit. But as we do that, I just want you to listen to the Spirit, and I want you to do what the Spirit tells you to do. He may ask you to come forward as a physical sign of just, I need this may I ask you to kneel at your seat, may I ask you to sit quietly, I also want you to listen for where is the Spirit drawing you into the ministry of Jesus, to do what Jesus did in his ministry, because the Bible says we'll actually do even greater works than he did if we're open and willing to do so. So I pray that this moment will transform our community, because what happens in here doesn't stay in here. Thank you it, for listening to our podcast. Out. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.